Hey everyone, and welcome to Same Difference, where fitting in is overrated. On this season, we dive into the theme of belonging in all of its many meanings, from family and culture to career and personal interests. How do we find where we belong? And what do we do when we're not quite sure where that is yet? Our first episode is a love story. Executive producer Emily Morantz is going to tell us the tale of her best friend, Jana, and her partner, Lou, and how Lou found a sense of belonging, not just in their relationship, but also in a whole new culture that accepts them for who they are. This is Same Difference. So tell me about how you met. Okay, so there's two versions of the story. (laughs) Hi, I'm Emily Morantz, and this is Jana and her partner Lou. They are very much in love. There's the version that we tell our family, and then there's the version that we, like, actually have. It's not that spicy, but... I'm talking to them on the phone, but I know exactly where they are. In their small, cozy condo in Winnipeg, Manitoba. They're probably at their dining table. A cluster of plants thrives in the corner of an open-plan kitchen they renovated themselves. Behind them, a bookshelf is loaded with the classics of the feminist canon. Um, so basically, we met on Tinder. Jana started speaking to me. And then after a couple days, I said, oh, like, I'd really like to ask you out on a date, but this is really bad timing because I'm going away tomorrow for a week. And then Jana responded and said, yeah, it is really bad timing because I'm going away tomorrow for a month. And I went to this pride party, um, like the night after the parade, and I saw her there and I thought that she was in Montreal. So I walked up to her and I was like, hey, oh my God. And that was the first time that we met in person and it was totally unexpected. And we just kind of bumped into each other. Um, so that's what we tell our family, how we met. And we just say that we met at Pride, which is like kind of cute. I know all this because Jana has been my best friend for 20 years, which is quite a feat for two people in their mid-20s. I haven't known Lou quite as long, but over the course of their three and a half year relationship, we've become friends. And we're about to have more in common than just Jana. Just over a year ago, Lou announced that they're going to convert to Judaism. If you're not Jewish, which, statistically speaking, you're probably not, you might not even know that it's possible to convert to Judaism. As a group, we're not really the types to go around knocking on doors and inviting people to join the gang. There are only 14.6 million Jewish people worldwide. That's 0.2% of the global population. We are a rare breed. What you might not know, regardless of how closely acquainted you are with Jewish culture, is just how broad it can be. That 14.6 million number refers only to people who identify as Jewish above all else. But what about people with only one Jewish parent? Jewish people who don't consider themselves religious, or Jews who don't fit into the traditional image of Judaism? Ethiopian Jews, or Mizrahi Jews, which are people descended from ancient Jewish communities in the Middle East and North Africa? If you're not Jewish, did you even know those people existed? As the world becomes more globalized, there are more and more people who identify as more than one thing. Some identities are handed down, some are chosen. And part of Judaism's longevity is its openness to change. 
Many people think of Judaism as a religion, but it's also an ethnicity. Your Judaism, like your identity, belongs to you. My name is Lula Mari. Um, I use they, them pronouns. Um, I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm converting to Judaism. <laughs> How would you describe your identity? I would say it's something that is very both complex and complicated and something that I've struggled to define over my lifetime. More specifically, I identify as non-binary, which is something that uh, took me a long time to settle on, I guess, for lack of a better uh, term. Um, I'm in this interesting position uh, where I'm half Arab and come from a Muslim family and I'm converting to Judaism, which I don't think you hear of super often. Um, I mean, I'm queer, which goes along with the non-binary, uh, label. Um, I mean, yeah, there's lots, there's lots of other directions that I could take this in, but, uh, those are kind of the ones that took some grappling with. One thing you might be noticing about Lou is that they don't really fit into any kind of box. They're white and they're Arab and they're going to be Jewish, but they went to a Christian Mennonite high school. They're dating a cis woman, but they are non-binary, which kind of inherently rejects the very existence of the box. They've spent a lot more time and energy than most people grappling with what identity even means. Basically, if anyone is going to choose for themselves what group they're going to be a part of, it's Lou. My mom was from a Christian family. My dad was from an observant Muslim family. They were both atheists, which is what kind of united them when they started dating. And then they just decided to send my brother and I to a Mennonite school. So religion was kind of always posed as a choice for me since both of my parents weren't practicing their family's religion. And growing up, I went to Christian school, even though neither of my parents were Christian. And they always told me, like, you can be whatever you want, like, believe whatever you want. No one can tell you what to believe. Like, your spirituality is your own kind of thing. I think the core of what they taught me is that your spiritual journey is your own. So Lou grew up with this flexibility in their idea of identity, but very little exposure to Judaism specifically outside of the eye-for-an-eye type portrayals in their high school religion classes. They thought Judaism was just Christianity without the opportunities for atonement. And then they met Jana. My name is Jana Elazar. Um, I guess I'm 25. I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, what else? I don't know. What else do you want to know? That's a good little little starter. How do we know each other? Um, I know you, Emily, um, <laughs> because we've been best friends for, <laughs> what is it, 20 years almost now? <laughs> almost, yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Okay, yeah. I, like, sort of get, like, in my head about it every time we, like, put a number on it. I'm like, how have I even been alive for two decades? Like, I know. Like, known someone for that long. I know, seriously. Um, how would you describe your identity? 
Oh God. Okay. Um, I guess I'm a person that holds a lot of different identities. Um, so I could say that I identify as a like queer black Jewish woman. And those are things that I think like make up who I am. It's sometimes a struggle to hold all of those things together. Yeah, but I also identify as someone who's born in the prairies and an Aquarius <laughs> and um, identity is complicated. So the person that introduced Lou to what Judaism is and can be was someone who didn't necessarily follow the, for lack of a better term, template. Jana's mom is white and Jewish, but her dad is black and grew up in a Christian family in Detroit. He felt a connection to Judaism from a young age and converted as a teenager. But that's a story for another podcast. How would you describe your relationship with Judaism specifically? Hmm. I think I would describe it as something that is evolving and has evolved. I feel like I had a lot of um, like encounters with Judaism from a young age. My family, like we were not religious, very like observant and spiritual and like in a liberal way, but like Judaism was like always a big part of my upbringing. Um, and it was like a definitely an important way that I understood myself and like in relation to the communities that I was a part of. Um, So yeah, it's something that's important to me for sure. Yeah. There's something you said in there that I think is like maybe something about Judaism that a lot of people maybe don't understand is you described yourself as religious, as not religious, but spiritual. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. um, So... I feel like um, there's sort of like an idea with religion that you're either, well, not really in Judaism, but like I think from the outside, it seems as if there's like a dichotomy of like you're either orthodox, like meaning that you conform very like stringently to the rules and you are very like observant in that way, um, or you're not Jewish. Whereas I think like in reality, a lot of Jews exist along like a spectrum of like cultural identification with um with being Jewish and I think the thing too about that kind of identifier as like the spiritual but not religious I think it also means like not necessarily in like an organized sense like maybe your connection to Judaism as it stands isn't connected to like the traditional like going to synagogue and being a part of I don't know like a maj group like I don't know maybe it's something different than that kind of like traditional idea of what our parents thought of as like observant versus not observant but for me I think Judaism is like important to me and even though I I definitely would not describe myself as like religiously observant in the sense of being orthodox I definitely like I don't know I love to have people over for Shabbat dinner and I love to celebrate the holidays and I 
enjoy having a mezuzah on my door. I like, I like participating in these observances. So this is the idea of Judaism that Lou got to see. Flexible, open, up to interpretation. Essentially the opposite of what they were taught in Mennonite school. And not only that, but very well aligned with their own family's idea of what identity and culture could be. Um, I mean, my real introduction to Judaism was with Jana, my partner's family. Um, and they're quite observant and very progressive. So the people within the community that I was exposed to are largely those things as well. So I've been to many, many, like the majority of the synagogues in the city, and I'm extremely gender nonconforming physically. Um, and I'm showing up like, you know, wearing men's clothes and everyone's like, welcome here. Like, you know, do you have any questions for us? Like, we're so glad that you could be here today. And I so imagine that you're a person who has spent all of this time trying to understand yourself. Someone who was given the freedom to explore your identity outside of your home. You don't necessarily fit into the mold that society presented to you at birth. And you enter this new space and find that you are welcome there. Wouldn't you want to stay? So when was the first time you ever thought about converting? Um, I would say my first Pesach. Lou's talking about a Jewish holiday called Pesach, or Passover in English, which celebrates the escape of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. If you've ever seen the animated movie Prince of Egypt, it's that. To celebrate, we have a big dinner with all of these special prayers and symbolic foods called a Seder. I hadn't decided then, but I just thought like, oh, this is so beautiful and so meaningful. And that was my first like really strong connection to Judaism because like obviously Jana's mom is a Judaic studies teacher. So we're having this like huge Seder and she's explaining like there's a couple partners of Jana's cousins who are like not Jewish so she's going around the table and she's really explaining everything in depth and why we do things and the significance of things and I just felt like that was representative of my experience in the Winnipeg Jewish community like people trying to be accessible to me um, and I just thought like all my holidays growing up in my kind of lit faith slash secular family um never had meaning i mean the meaning was you know we're family and we're all going to eat together and that's lovely to be in each other's company like that's fantastic but that can just be a sunday dinner like that has that's no different than any other holiday and i really valued that these jewish holidays all centered around a specific thing with a specific story and a specific reason why we celebrate them and then, a few years later, Lou attended a service called Kol Nidre with Jana's family. Kol Nidre happens the night before Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. It is many centuries old and very, very beautiful. During that prayer, I cried. 
And I just thought like, oh my God, like I want to, I want this to be mine. Like I want to be part of this. Like this is literally bringing me to tears because I'm finding so much meaning in this and I've never felt such a connection to any kind of, I guess, organized faith. Like I've always been a spiritual person, but I never, I guess for lack of a better word, like vibed with um, anything else and just just um since the beginning everything i've learned about judaism it's been a really long road and i've learned so much and then i think it just all culminated in that point where i just thought like wow okay yeah this is it like this is what i want to do so lou had this amazing spiritual experience of finding home but that's not what happens for most people is it Most of us, myself included, find our identities in our homes. We grow up in a culture. We have different ways of connecting to those cultures, sure. Maybe it's prayer or music or food or stories or just people. In Jewish culture, as in a lot of others, all of that is often encapsulated in the figure of the mother. Traditionally, mothers nurture and cook and create the home their children grow up in. So I was curious about how Lou's mom felt about all of this. How would you describe your identity? Uh, mother. Um, female. Um, semi-retired. Um... interested in a lot of things seeking i guess i'm seeking um yeah uh seeking sort of like spiritually seeking okay here's the twist as lou's relationship with janet progressed and judaism became a more and more prominent part of their life janet became interested in judaism too several months ago she started dating a jewish man from israel when we talked She had actually just finished a Zoom class through the synagogue I went to growing up called Intro to Judaism. Did you grow up religious? No. Atheist. Agnostic. But you have this sort of interest in religion, obviously. I would sneak a read of a Bible I found in the basement of my house under the covers um, when I was like... In junior high, I would take a peek at it, and I didn't want anybody to see me. Um. <laughs> um, do you feel like you're a spiritual person? Yes. Yeah? What does that mean to you? I try to connect to God every day, several times a day um, in my heart. I was really surprised by the depths of Janet's feeling about God and spirituality and religion. You can really hear a longing in her voice when she talks about this stuff. You can see why she wanted her kids to go to religious school, why she wanted Lou and their brother to know that faith was an option. She instilled that identity, being a seeker, in her children. How did you feel when Lou first told you that they were going to convert? Um, 
I, I did it. I did ex expect it. And I was happy for them. There was this little bit in me that I'm sort of embarrassed or ashamed to say that I felt that they were choosing Jana's family over my family in a way, just because I, I tend to be a bit of a, a jealous person and I don't like that about myself. And I knew that it was a wrong way to think, like not a healthy way to think, but um, I missed them because there's just been so many changes and I haven't seen Lou and Lou's growing up and I missed them so much and I, I had to be just careful not to feel rejected. But I knew it wasn't rejecting me, but I mean, I just, I had to come to terms with some feelings. Well, except that I didn't give them, I didn't provide them with um, a basis of faith. So, um, you know, I felt like I had fallen short, but I'm so relieved that they found something. And I believe that this is the right, the right thing for them. And so I'm really grateful the more I learn about it, I'm kind of going, hey, I want to be a part of this. Um, I want to be a part of this too. And then by joining myself, I can share something with them. And, and um, that's so precious to me. Listening to Janet talk about this stuff, something occurred to me that I suppose should have been obvious the whole time. Identity is about community. If we share an identity with someone we love, it brings us closer. So what happens when you love someone who's fundamentally different from us in some way? How do you bridge that gap? To answer those questions, I had to go to another mom, Jana's mom, Sherry. Um, okay, how would you describe your identity? I would say uh, this has been heavily on my mind, actually, uh, that question, um, mostly um, about my children. My identity is pretty simple for me. Well, not simple, but it's pretty straightforward. Um, the identities that I've created for my children are anything but. And that has been weighing heavily on my mind. I know that doesn't really answer your question. But, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm, uh, I'm a Jew. I'm Israeli. I'm Canadian. I'm a teacher. That's a huge part of my identity. I, I could go on and on. Daughter, wife. Sherry and I had this conversation the day after the 2020 election was called. With the year we've had, and with Trump soon to be out of office, it seemed like she had been thinking a lot about Jana and her brother, all the otherness they may have felt that she never did. Um, my kids are biracial, American-Canadian-Israelis, um, Jewish, and multiple other unique identities that they have. Um, and. I, I chose three of them for them. And most, like this was just really weighing on me yesterday. Mo and it was kind of an epiphany, to be honest with you. I, um, most people of color have no choice because they are born that way. Um, I chose that for my children. Um, and, um, and the last four years, I believe that has been very much a burden, and I didn't really feel like it was until then. What Sherry is talking about is more or less the opposite of how Lou feels. Many, if not most people, feel like their identities have been chosen for them. 
Some of those things, Judaism being one of them, can be changed. But others you wear on your skin. Jana is black, and she can never choose not to be. And that's something about being Jewish that is very different from other ethnic identities. We don't all look the same. There are Jews of every skin color from virtually every country on Earth. After the Holocaust, many Jewish people who escaped Europe chose not to be Jewish anymore, to free their children from the othering and persecution that they had faced. So while historically Jews have been treated as a race apart, we really live in this nebulous in-between space. About halfway through this interview, Sherry told me that she prefers to say Jewish by choice instead of converted. I like this idea a lot, partly because the word conversion is just a little creepy, but also because people like Lou aren't the only ones choosing to be Jewish. All of us are. Exactly. It's, an, it's a nation, it's a race, it's a culture, it's a language. It's, there's so many facets of it. And I've always felt, I, and you know, I mean, I'm a Judaic studies teacher for 39 years now, my 39th year. And I always talk about the many, many windows and doorways into Judaism. There's so many. I remember Emily doing a project for Shabbaton many years ago because I was very disturbed by hearing kids say, you know, if I don't keep kosher and I don't, you know, observe Shabbat, um, then I'm not a good Jew. And that, that was like, you know, I mean, it's a very simplistic way, but unfortunately, a lot of North American Jews who are not educated in Judaism believe that. And I, we brainstormed and made this museum of Judaism, and there were literally 36 ways in, you know, art, music, camp, food. I mean, you know, it was politics, Israel, like there were literally almost 40 that I defined as windows and, and uh, doorways into Judaism. And it just, it, it was life-changing for these 11, 12-year-olds. And I hope they carried that with them for the rest of their life. Because, yeah, like, you don't have to believe in God to be a Jew. I mean, just that is like a, I mean, I know that I would be probably... As she mentioned, Sherry has been a Judaic <laughs> studies teacher for 39 years. She was my teacher, actually, in elementary school for a couple years. At multiple points during our talk, she lapsed into teacher mode. It was kind of like walking into a time machine and being in grade five again. But there was one story she told me that really jumped out at me. <laughs> Funny you should mention this. This week's parsha, which is a portion of the of the Torah that we read in synagogue, is called Vayera, and it, it contains this this a very beautiful, beautiful story of and uh, Sarah, uh, you will remember this, Emily. It's when um, Abraham and Sarah are in their tent, and these three um, strangers, you know, appear and. Uh, and Abraham goes out to greet them, and this whole scene is the epitome of the commandment to welcome guests. It's actually a commandment, it's not a suggestion, and it, it models, um, the, of how it evolves, it models what we are supposed to do in terms of welcoming guests. And the thing that's fascinating is his tent, their tent, is described as having all four sides open, which is a, a obvious symbol of, of welcome and, and, and inclusion and acceptance. And uh, when he sees these three strangers approaching, he actually runs to greet them and brings them to his home and, you know, washes their feet and feeds them and, you know, all those kinds of things. But uh, so that's kind of how I feel about Judaism is those four, four sides need to be open 
And we need to accept anyone who's interested, willing, or able to join us for whatever the reasons. Okay, so tell me about like things you remember, like events leading up to when Lou decided that they were gonna convert for sure. I'm gonna leave this one up to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Why? What's your perspective on what happened? Um, I think it kind of came out of nowhere for me because you did that thing that you do sometimes where you're like, so I'm thinking about this thing and you sort of like pose it as if it's the first time you thought about it, but it's actually the culmination of a thought process. <laughs> but to me, it seems like the beginning of a thought process. Um, so for me, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was sort of like... Well, I knew it was a big deal, so I didn't really want to bring it up if I hadn't put any thought into it. That's fair. Um, so I think we just had, like, a nice time last summer. And then we, like, spent so much time together. Um... And I think we just felt really close in our relationship at that point. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that marked our two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just like maybe a new level of intensity in our relationship where it was, it became like, okay, you're not just my partner. You're not just like, my partner for life, but you are my family. Like we are each other's family. Yeah. Cause I think talking about, um, you converting kind of like sparked those conversations about like what we want that family to look like and like Jewishly, but also otherwise, um, which is, which was really cool. Yeah. So like taking our relationship beyond just like our partnership and like, the way we like envisioned, yeah, our family looking going forward. Oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh my God. When I hang out with Lou and Jana, I often feel like I'm witnessing the kinds of intimate moments that usually only happen in private. They love each other so much. They do everything together, including most recently law school, and as you might have noticed, their thoughts often bleed into each other, like they're one person. As little kids, Jana and I used to talk about our crushes, like all little kids do. Lou was not the person we talked about back then, although that's mostly just because I didn't know Jana was queer. But Lou is exactly what Jana needs, someone who's caring and nurturing, but smart and critical. The two of them are different in many ways, but they complement each other perfectly. They are truly in sync. They are family. And if identity is about belonging, about a feeling of home, about hearing that centuries-old prayer and feeling like you're part of something bigger, then I understand why Lou wants to become Jewish. Okay, I'm gonna end on like a cute thing for feelings. <laughs> um to use the journalistic terminology. Um, Jana, who is Lou? Oh, 
Um, Lou is my partner and the most supportive person I know and someone I'm lucky to know. And Lou, who's Dana? Um, I didn't shed a tear just now. It wasn't me. Um, Jana is my bean. <laughs> um, she's the person that sees inside of me and, you know, still loves and understands me and never ceases to surprise me with how wide she's willing to open her mind. And, uh, I don't know, she's just, I just see her, you know, with her friends and I just see her be as amazing to all of her friends as she is to me. And it's just like a superhuman power. Well, there we have it. Episode one in the books. A beautiful love story about Jana and Lou, produced by our very own executive producer, Emily Morantz. Special thanks to our associate producer, Manuela Vega, artwork by Ben Shelley, theme music composed by John Powers, and I've been your host, Gracie Bryson. And of course, we have to thank Amanda Capito, a jungle of houseplants. And remember, fitting in is overrated. <laughs>